Hey guys, Clay Edwards here. I want to tell you real quick about RC Lawn Care. My buddy Richard Coley is going to be the guy you need to contact for all of your lawn maintenance needs. You can reach him at 601-502-3529. They offer roof-to-curb service, blowing off the roof, gutter cleaning, basic lawn care, including mow, trim, edge, and blow, full lawn cleanup, trash removal, garden supplies delivered, pine straw installs, driveway, and sidewalk pressure washing. If grass is growing, you need RC Lawn Care mowing. Again, 601-502-3529. Richard Coley at RC Lawn Care. Proud sponsor of the Clay Edwards Show podcast. Strap in. Not on. Turn up the volume. This is the Free Range Human Show choice. It's the last day of pride. Sean, you got any big plans for the to, to close out Pride Month? Uh, no, not today. I'm gonna um, I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow, though. But that uh, that's not Pride related. That's, uh, that's baseball related. <laughs> I almost uh, I waffled on this the whole way here. Oh, by the way, the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio, the Clay Edwards Show. Um, I almost stopped here at the gas station of Florida and got you a six pack of Bud Light for your trip. Uh, great. That's good. you know actually it's funny. My buddy that uh, lives in Atlanta, he actually sent me a picture of a of a case of yingling that he had already bought for me and some and ipas and i was like that's a good friend that they're well, gonna they have it stacked up for you well you know here's the thing i, I really almost did it because i thought it'd be funny but I, two, two issues i had a it's it, it's before 7 a.m in the morning <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be, wanna that, be guy. that guy buying beer and i didn't want to look gay yeah, that's hey. I mean, that's it's it's everywhere. You know, it's so funny. My speaking of my, like a gay alcoholic at six thirty in the morning. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, my buddy. He's uh, that I'm going to see. He's a uh, man. He's way further left than me, and he worked on Elizabeth Warren's campaign and stuff. And even he said, he, yeah, I mean, he's he's really liberal. He even said yesterday, he's like, man, I ain't buying no Bud Light. I was like, why? He's like, uh, you know, it just looks bad these days. <laughs> and I was laughing so hard. I said, I said, this has infected everything. Even I said, even liberals aren't buying the beer anymore. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a bad look, man. I don't mean to just constantly to go to Bud Light here, I should, but it's just been so such a train wreck to watch from the beginning. And the CEO got on there the other day and told us that it was that we should think of the employees of the, their employees, and we're punishing their employees. No, 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 no. You're punishing their your employees. By not just saying we 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 fod we fode. Well, what about if it's a brand of whatever product that I don't like? Am I is, am I supposed to worry about the employees if it's some kind of product I don't like? Do I mean, let, does I just buy it because I don't like it? Do lefties worry about have the have lefties worried about the employees of these places they've boycotted and stuff over the last few years? Or, and I dang sure don't. I mean, I mean, it ain't my. I like I have again. I've said it at nauseum. I got a lot of friends over there at Southern Beverage. I, and I like those guys, and I kind of kept my head stuck in the sand for the first two weeks on this thing, you know, because I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. But then AB's national response, I couldn't, I couldn't keep my head in the sand anymore. I was like, man, this is bad. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever boycotted anything in my life, to be honest with you, if I liked it. And so I don't know that. But I did. The only thing I thought of back years ago, remember when Chick Fil A had the, that controversy about mm-hmm. the CEOs made remarks about uh, homosexuals and i thought okay well i I don't agree with what he's saying obviously and but it's not really going to stop me from going to chick-fil-a actually i've got a lot i had a lot i've got a lot of gay friends that ever that time called me up like dude i love (laughs) chick-fil-a you know and uh they just didn't quit so i don't know i'm not a boycott person but if you are you are 
Well, I think this is the f- look. It's it's easy for me to to boycott some things because I don't. I'm already not using it. Um, Target. Right. Yeah. Me I haven't been no. on a Target maybe once in ten years. Same. Same. You know that that's easy. Chick fil A. I great fast food, but I don't eat fast food anymore. Mm-hmm, me either. Yeah. I mean, if look, if somebody showed up, uh, if the if the girlfriend showed up to the house tonight with a bag of Chick fil A, I would eat it. But I'm not going to go get in that drive through and deal with the pain and butt of having to do it. Is is it? That's an easy. Skip for me. Have you noticed it? I do go. And Bud Light became even easier because I had already kind of quit. I did drink Mick Ultra, mm-hmm. you know, because it's kind of that. Mick Ultra became my my default boat beer, as I call them. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get. It's everywhere. Um, but I had been moving away from that to Yingling Flight anyway. And now that Yingling Flight is becoming more popular, it's in more random gas stations. Yeah, it's all over the place. It is. It's uh. If you know what's also too with fast food, the only time I'll my kind of guilty pleasure like does the uh, food wise, I like McDonald's um, sausage egg and cheese McMuffins. Sure. I just, that, that's the only thing I like from any fast food restaurant. You know, and, I, if I can get McDonald's nuggets, I know they're they're just a pink paste that they fry or whatever some inanimate object. But if you mm-hmm. get them hot, they're still good. They're good. Give me, give me some of that hot mustard too that they have. Mm-hmm. It just takes me back to being a kid and eating a Happy Meal, but I haven't been to a McDonald's in 10 years. Really? I'd, I'd go, you know, a couple times a month just to cheat and grab that. But if you bought... And their apple pies, if they're fresh, too. I haven't had those in years. I yeah. But I remember we talking about it back, back years ago. But the, uh, if you, the price of fast food is just as expensive as going anywhere else that's actually good in pain. You're going to pay like 12 or 13 bucks for well, a meal. Let me tell you what I did yesterday, speaking of that. And I, I, I almost just left it on the counter and walked out of the store. Went into one of the gas stations on 471. You know those little pre-made um, sandwiches you can get there? Sure. I mean, just literally just bread sliced in half. Just mm-hmm. a real ham and cheese sandwich yeah. that they have over there. I got one with, like, extra meat. I got a bag of chips. I was to heck with my diet, right? Mm-hmm. And I one of those little, like, sticks of cheese that you can get. You know, like uh, pepper jack cheese or something. You can yeah. Get, like, a, like a string cheese looking thing. Sure. It's $13. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking... Now, you're limited by options at 2 in the afternoon on 471 in Brandon as far as, like, where you can go get something to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, even though $13, I could have gone and got a barbecue plate at Booze Smokehouse. could have gone over to uh, Chad's place at 471, but it, it was it was after lunch. I'm just thinking, I just paid $13 for a ham sandwich. It costs that much. The uh, There's a gas station. Thanks, right Joe on- Biden. <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. Right. The... Uh- the gas station, uh, my office is on Lakeland, and there's a big gas station right there on Treetops. You know where Treetops is? Mm-hmm. And it's really, I always call them like, they're also, like I call elitist Mexican restaurants. There's elitist gas stations that are really nice. Is and it a Circle K? I think it's a Circle K. Yeah. It's a Circle K. And they, uh, have you noticed in Circle Ks, they try to have like these healthy, I'm using quotes here, healthy food options in the middle. And they're like, oh, you can get this protein pack. And it's like a hard-boiled egg and some nuts. And they try, so I'll go in there and buy that so I'm pretending like I'm eating healthy. And you're right. It costs like 13 or 14 bucks for that. And a Coke Zero is what I always get. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, that, that's a great point. I want to circle back to the Bud Light thing real quick. Mm. I, he will remain unnamed. My, my my buddy of 30 years that works there just, just texted and said, you're absolutely right. AB National, you know, corporate, has effed this thing up from the get-go. I mean, I, I just, man – you know, we talked about it the other day, and we'll, we'll move on to something else. I got to thinking about all the great beer commercials mm-hmm. that we discussed. Yeah. And, I mean, Bud owns it. I mean, they're, they're, uh, there's Bud, and there's nobody else, as far as I'm concerned, as far as memorable beer commercials. Or, or memorable commercials 
well, just put it in the context period. of a period. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, I could. I can mean, you think g- of some from the eighties and nineties that you just remember? Well, you know what? I actually watched like an hour of 80s, random 80 highlight stuff last night. It was mm-hmm. commercials, movie clips, all this stuff. And, of course, I remember that, that because, you know, it was our childhood. Right. You remember more stuff like that. And I can't remember anything from last week. No, but, no, no. But, yeah, no, no I mean, you know, there's a, there's a few here and there. Where's the beef? Uh, and I'm going back. I'm going back to the 80s. New York City, the salsa. Uh, the salsa. I remember that Pace one. Pace picante salsa. Pace picante. That's it. I, yeah. I can't say New York City without saying New York City. That's that's the one. That's get I do remember rope. that one. <laughs> you couldn't say get the rope in a commercial anymore either. I remember have a coke and a smile. Like that's yep. the other one. That was another big one. That you remember the? I know we were real young then, but the Joe Mean Joe Green commercial when he that was the Jersey. Mm-hmm. That that was that one. I you know I may have just seen that on reruns now. That's why I remember it. But I, it's the same here. I get, I keep being told it's a legendary commercial, but I don't actually remember it from my childhood. I think it was like was it late early eight like nineteen eighty. We probably have been too yeah, young to remember. Just that. Just too young to remember that. Um. Let's see here. Hey, real quick, Sean, before we get into the affirmative action stuff. Oh, fun, fun, fun. Before, before we get into all that, we'll, segment two. After the commercial break, we'll get into all the affirmative action stuff. Score one for the good guys there. Um, There's a topic I've been trying to hit for a few days now, and I keep pushing it to the back burner. Let's, let, let's do some Jackson talk real quick. Cool. There's been a moratorium put for another year. Well, it started out as just for bars on Capitol Street. Now they've expanded it into their whole little downtown business district area. Mm-hmm. No new bars can open up. That are, I mean, bars are nightclubs. The restaurants that serve alcohol can't. So there is a workaround to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm 100% for it because rumor has it, and this is a rumor has it, I'm, don't, don't take me as a news source on this, mm-hmm. that the King Edward was closing in January. You know, I remember that, and uh, I because I lived there when yeah. the first year was open, 2010. I actually was one of the first people that moved in there. You know, I just it's one of those things being someone that's lived in Jackson so long, where I wanted to live at the King Edward because sure. I remember going I in too. when it was closed down and going to the roof and yep. all that stuff. And I so wish I, I could find all my pictures from my. Me from too. My, from I know <laughs> it was well. Trip. Some of them we I wish we don't find, but the uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was a. Uh, and so I wanted to live there, and it was great, man. When it opened, that place was just awesome. And I'd heard the same thing, too, that you'd heard. So I went to the bar there before I did my quit drinking thing, like maybe at the middle of March. And the bar was still functioning fine, but the place looked like it was just kind of getting run down. That's what I noticed. Yeah. And there was some – and I asked the bartender, I was like, is this place closing down? What's the deal? And he said, no, I mean, we're still in business. But he kind of said it in a way like, I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. That's kind of vibe I got from him. Yeah. Well, you know, so here's what I think happened. I think that – they made it clear they were going to shutter that thing mm-hmm. if some changes weren't made. Because, you know, they had the daiquiri shop across the street that was causing all sure. seven levels of hell. People riding their four-wheelers from the hood. I saw those videos, right? To that, right. to hang out there, to get daiquiris to go. I mean, it was an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it looked like it was, yeah. And, and, look, and I know the guy that owns that place. I mean, I've known him for 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's just running a bar. I, you know, I mean, say what you want, say what you will. The city allowed it. Yeah, I mean, I'll defer to you. Somebody told me the other night that you you owned a bunch of bars on that side, right? Yeah, is that on that side yeah. of the? I didn't know that. But when I was there, none of that was open yet. Okay, you know, the, all it, it, it is started. You had like Gators, was it? It was Gator. Well, that, we changed that downstairs name a couple times for mm-hmm. the restaurant. We started out as just called. It was all called One Hundred Five. Okay, which was the address, and it was the res, the lounge downstairs, the restaurant downstairs, the club upstairs, which was the old catwalk. You know? Yeah, sure, remember that. And um, <clears throat> well, when, when me and Chip Matthews started that, and Chip, we went our separate ways. Chip went open fire. Mm. I was left there with that. And I turned that into called Gators. Me and my buddy, my Sonny Evans, he wanted to get into the business and stuff. So we did a sports bar 
you know, focused I mean, on me, and it did well. I remember seeing it when I drove around yeah. downtown those days. I just never actually went into it. And it, it did pretty well. Um, I tinkered with the upstairs name several times, but at the end of the day, everybody called it 105, so I just kept it 105. Yeah. I tried to go with this theme, like downstairs was Gators, upstairs was the Swamp. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but it, it, never really, it never really stuck. People start thinking you're a Florida fan or something. And they just... Man, there was a cool place down in, down in uh, Okaloosa Island called the Swamp. Okay. It was a big dance club and stuff. Yeah. And I just kind of I like that vibe. Yeah, it's a know? cool idea. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was trying to have a little a little symmetry. Everything was purple and turquoise, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of deal. But uh, with all that said, yeah, we were down there for ten years. Okay. And but we were the only thing down there because we didn't open till like ten thirty, eleven o'clock. So mm-hmm. we weren't messing with anybody's business. Yeah. As far as like the Mayflower and all that, or after we, work crowds not coming there yeah after work we didn't we didn't mess with any of that we closed after lunch at two o'clock downstairs mm-hmm. and we weren't back there till friday thursday or friday night at 10 o'clock so we were, and there was nobody was living down there again at, yeah. the, at the time uh but the problem they have now with and i had i had that very building that he's in too the daiquiri shop was in that okay. was your mother we, we had a place there called the joint we did live i remember there. that place yeah we did live music there and Chip got it in the divorce, <laughs> and uh, he t- he turned it into uh, Dick and Jane's. Yes, I remember that I, too. I believe was the, was what it was called, and uh, he had fire, and I kept one hundred and five. Mm-hmm. And you know, all of, we, we didn't talk for a couple of years. It, it was a it wasn't a it wasn't a friendly divorce. <laughs> but fire, it be, but it became friendly. I was actually I moved downtown kind of early. Well, not early. There's some people that are pioneers of living downtown, like in the nineties. Oh yeah, you know, obviously wasn't that Earl early. Earl and them. Earl, yeah, and then some Steven. other even. And then at the Dickies Building, um, I forget the guy's name. He lived down there for since the nineties, but. Uh, I lived at the uh, on Tong Bigby that Mike Peters owned that building. I think he might still do that. Mm-hmm. The lofts right behind the courthouse. Yeah, I lived there. Like I moved there in two thousand eight, and fire was just like open at that point. Yeah, because this is one of the places I could remember I could walk to across the street from my apartment. Yeah, and uh, but that wasn't really you know there wasn't anything really much else going on so, except for Martin's was obviously there. Sure. So my theory is that the 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 Hilton folks threatened to pull out. Okay, and if, if some if, if something didn't happen. Mm. Now I don't know if the daiquiri shop is still open or not. I don't either. I haven't heard. I haven't seen any. Uh, my buddy that was down there that would send all the videos has moved. He's okay. like, I can't take this crap no more. He moved out to uh, uh, the Renaissance area. Those that was he living downtown? Yeah, he was living in the King Edward. Okay. Um, or maybe Standard Life, one of those two. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> he would always get the videos of the four wheelers running up and down the street and all that stuff and all the chaos. I think the Hilton threatened to pull out, and and, and they, I think there's people also on the Standard Life building. I think they threatened to just to bounce. There's another issue, too, with the King Edward. You know, of course, it, the novelty of it was really cool, but the functionality of living in King Edward was really difficult. You got to park and do the elevator. In the elevator and put your groceries. Well, I lived at the Dickies building. Like I said, I've lived a lot over downtown. I really, I'd love to move back, to be honest with you, the, especially to the Dickies building. The Dickies building was easy. It's super secure. You can get in and out yep. and move around. But the King Edward parking, having visitors come over was a problem. It's, there's just, and the apartments were really, they were, they were nice, but not... Not done as well as other downtown apartments that I've lived in. Sure, they they weren't. I lived at the Ironworks building. It was really yeah. easy too. My apartment was downstairs. You you pull into this gate, very private, secure deal, mm-hmm. and a lot of space. You had a cool patio thing for mutual partying and stuff. I never got into all that, but it was easy to get into my condo. It was big. And, and you're, and you're not going to get rot. You feel safe over there because, like, nobody's there and it's, like, gated. And I mean, when I was at Dickie's building, I was like, this is, like, the most secure building in Jackson yeah, that the, I know of. And the, 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 the glass, the little one little window in the back of it was, of course, in my bedroom. But uh, it was not a little window. It was a big window. But it's that, that thick sheet glass. Mm-hmm. That you can't see through it. Right. And I, there were some burglar bars and stuff. I mean, nobody was getting in. It was, yeah. it was secure because you come in through a hallway. 
And then you go into another door, and you got to have codes to get into everything. I ain't saying it's impenetrable. Nothing is when a when a crackhead or somebody wants something you got. But I felt safe now. I, I, my safety was never a concern at home. Mm-hmm. But to this bar thing, yeah, I, I think you got to peel the onion back a little further. I think you got to look at who in local politics owns bars down there. Okay. And and say, do they not want any more competition coming in? And I also think you got to look at some of the people in politics that own and also the bar owners down there that donate to their campaigns and, and whatnot who are already open down there. And there's another one that just opened their amphitheater up out there in North Jackson. It's like, if we can keep this crowd kind of spread out a little bit. I have a conspiracy theory as well. I can it. see what you're – yeah. Have you seen the – I was talking to someone this last night – Remember the M bar with all the problems at the M bar? Well, that's, that's what I was referring to oh, oh. out in North Jackson. They just put an amphitheater outside there. Oh, I didn't. Did you see the commercials on TV? It looks like it's a Buffalo Wild Wings. You've yeah. never seen? Have you seen the commercial? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, you got to see this commercial. You're like, it looks like this, like Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> like I'm like, and like, come to the M bar. You could have. I mean, it, it's like the nicest. You, if you were from out of town, you'd see the commercial on TV. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go over there. Yeah. Well, they uh, they actually brought them up. Uh, one of the college students they interviewed for the story mm-hmm. on WLBT brought up, right now the only place that we can go is the M-Bar. And like, well, you know. <laughs> Are they still having problems? I haven't heard of any problems in a long time. They I, were having a lot, like a year or yeah, two. Yeah, they, they were having a lot of murders. Every, a lot. The nickname was the murder bar. Yeah, it was a pretty scary uh, because you'd always hear about some kind of something happened there. And I don't know if they've revamped, changed it or whatever. I mean, yeah. the commercial makes it look like they – maybe they have. Sure. Good, good for they, them. They did a huge remodel and dumped a bunch of money. And, I, you know, my theory is – you know, if you can throttle back competition opening up mm-hmm. and keep people kind of keep it like it is, which I do not believe in that in the bar business. I think if you have, I'd rather be have 30 bars beside me than none. Okay. I think the more people pulling down there, the more, the more other bar owners spending money on advertising, bringing people down. Makes sense. Foot traffic, all that. I would much rather go somewhere I got five or six bars to bounce around than one. Kind of like when you have a Burger King and McDonald's across the street from each other. And yeah, then so there's... Same with gas stations. You know, mm-hmm, they, gas, yeah. it, it, it's good for competition. All right, I was just, uh, I wanted to mention that. No bars. I'm not, I look, let's just be honest. We're not the target demo for anything going downtown anymore anyway. Well, you still got Martins and, and, and Hal and Mal's are downtown. I mean, Martins is going to yeah, be there I don't, forever. I don't count that part. I'm, I'm talking about like the downtown, you know, Capitol Street downtown. Okay. Not, yeah. not Commerce Street. But has, has anything other than what you had in really they're taken off down there like that's lasted for a long period of time no you got freelance freelance has been is it still open it is and yeah, you got freelance and you got what doesn't jody owens on fourth fourth avenue and that looks like a really nice place i mean i drive yeah. by it all the time and it looks like i've not been in it but there's like a cigar bar and it looks like a really nice place chalkways invested into uh freelance i believe well i think he they were had their his dad had his office yeah. in freelance for so yeah I mean, so and again I, that's just what i've always heard whether that's true or not I, i'm not sure but you know it makes sense when you say so, yeah, they ended up being the only place down there for the longest time that had resort status Really? Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. That happened under Harvey Johnson's watch. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, let's get into affirmative action. Score one for the good guys. Should we'll be, be right back with Sean Yurkaran on the Clay Edwards Show. All right, welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show here live on 103.9 FM WYAB. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends out at who have I not read? How about my friends over at Mercy House Teen Challenge Auto Center, right down there in Crystal Springs, Mississippi? 
get down there, see them. If you're looking for a car in that ten to twenty thousand dollar price range, again, I tell you, it's a hard market to satisfy, and they're able to do it, unlike most other places, thanks to the great people who donate their vehicles to them for the tax write-off and to help them uh, get drugs off the streets and fathers back in homes, battling addiction, beating addiction. At Mercy House Teen Challenge, they also have a car lot. That's what I'm talking about here. Good, dependable, pre-owned vehicles, cars, trucks, SUVs. You can check their website out, mercyhouseautocenter.com, and see what they got. Like I said, man, they specialize in ten to $20,000 cars. That's the new cash car, by the way, $10,000 cars. That's the new cash car. You know, post-COVID, you know, the days of the three and $4,000 cars are gone, gone. What was $5,000 in the cash car world is now $10,000, and they got some nice stuff that fits that bill. Check them out. I send a lot of my customers down there because it's not necessarily, you know, our, our demographic as far as cars. It's not kind of, kind of inventory that we keep out at Ellis. I refer a lot of my customers down there looking for stuff in that price range. I've had zero complaints from people I've sent down there, and that tells me all I need to know. Again, they got financing is available, and you can also donate your car and get the tax write-off, even if you don't want to buy one, running or not. If you got an old vehicle in your driveway, you got a clean title for it, they'll come tow it away free of charge. And you'll get the tax write-off for the vehicle. Yeah. There's one or two ways you can do it, I believe. One way, they can just give you what the value is for it. Or the other is they can give you uh, the write-off after it sells for the amount that it sells for. So, you know, you could get a couple extra thousand bucks on that tax write-off. And if you're like me, you need some tax write-offs. All right, check them out. MercyHouseAutoCenter.com. Supporting uh, their drug rehabilitation center down there in georgetown all right sean affirmative action one for the good guys as soon as i got off the air yesterday of course i was like well we'll save it for tomorrow oh well actually you know while we're on air today i think they're going to come down with the i know they're coming down with the student loan decision yeah. that's coming out this morning so we'll we'll, we'll probably get updates on our phone about that but yeah, it's that's got, coming it's got to come out today right? today's the day's last day of the term yeah that's what they're coming out with so, so There'll be more outrage over the weekend on that. Everybody will forget affirmative action. Either way you go on the student loan things. So. Well, yeah. Well, they it's 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 unconstitutional to waive people's debt. So they, they, I hope they, you know, sorry guys, they got your uh, they got your um student loans, and y'all were hoping for that ten grand off. But us folks that didn't get that don't have student loan debt don't need to be paying for it. I think in those cases, the main issue that they're uh, dealing with is the standing of the plaintiffs. I believe that's correct. So, I'll, but I, I have not read that case in a while. But I think that's the issue. So, affirmative action for those that don't know that means uh, that minorities were were giving preferential treatment um, to get into colleges and get jobs and all this stuff over anybody else. Uh, merit merit be damned. Well, that's uh, that's not exactly accurate, Clay. Like the, uh, it's not. First of all, it's just college missions that we're dealing with well, here. It's outlived its usefulness. Well, here, let me. I think there's a public misconception of what affirmative action program is and how it's changed or evolved over the years. There's, it's not a quota system. They got rid of that in the case called Bakke in 1978, where you couldn't have a racial quota in any in, in, in college admissions. 2003, they came up with another a case called Grotz, and Grotz got rid of the point system. They used to have points then up until 2003. And so they, the court had said by 2003 that a quota system and a point system was unconstitutional. So basically no, no quotas, no mathematical formula. They can't do that. What they came out with in, in the companion case to Grotz was that dealt with, I believe, the University of Michigan Law School was a 
it's just, and this term just sounds ridiculous too. Holistic approach, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. I just I, some like assen- I, rub some essential oils. Yeah, on it. it's just yeah, it's really a bad, terrible word. And so, what happens now is let sum this up, and the way the data from Harvard what what it spells out. It's people that apply to Harvard. Let's take the Harvard case that are equally situated, equally qualified to get into Harvard. Like a white person, an Asian person, a black person, a Hispanic person. They're all equal. They all have the same test scores. They're all, you know, all the extracurricular, all the stuff it takes to get in. This isn't a, somebody that just qualifies for a JUCO. Nothing wrong with JUCOs. I'm just saying it's, these are people that, I mean, I couldn't get into Harvard. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, they're exceptional people. Okay. Anyway, they get into Harvard and uh, they tip the scales in favor of race. That's the system that we're under now. It's not – I know a lot of people think like, oh, well, they're, you know, somebody that's just not qualified to get in. That's not true. These are all qualified people. They're equally qualified, but they get tipped in favor of race. So that's yeah, what happened. I mean, yeah, if you're equally qualified, mm-hmm. you, you, you've got a better chance if you're black. That's the that's way it was, right? Yes, and or... I've got those, um, yeah, those numbers here too. It said here, okay, from the opinion, if you group all Harvard undergraduates – Applicants into what they call deciles, which is a, which is a very wordy Supreme Court word. For example, Harvard rejects over 85% of applicants in the top decile. It does, however, admit over half of black applicants in this elite cohort and just under a third of the highest performing Hispanic students. That does suggest that an exceptional black or Latino applicant is more likely to be admitted to Harvard than an equally qualified white or Asian student. But it also doesn't change the fact that anyone Harvard would even consider admitting is exceptional. So that's what it is. I mean, yeah. we're dealing with everybody's, but the but black and Latino applicants, especially black applicants, have a higher chance based on equal qualifications. Yeah, and th- and this whole thing started, if my memory serves me correct, out in California with the with the white liberals and and blacks trying to keep Asians from eating up all the space at colleges, right? Yeah, I think that was it. They had an issue then in the 90s. There was a little bit of, little bit of racism from the left that actually got them into this situation where affirmative action made it to the made it to the Supreme Court. Well, Kelly, as I was saying, you know, at the break, California got rid of affirmative action by via referendum or whatever they call it uh, in 1996. The uh, voters uh, got rid of it. Then again, they tried to do a new push for it in 2020, post George Floyd all that stuff, and they tried to do another, and then it, they rejected it again. So, so California does not have any form of affirmative action. Mm-hmm. There's actually nine states that do not. I can't remember all of them, but I, obviously California was kind of – I've forgotten about that because, you know, you think California, you think we're going to have the most liberal policy there is. Yeah. But that's not true. They got rid of it in 96, and then again in 2020, they weren't able to do it. So they don't have it at all. They don't, you know, California doesn't have it at all. Well, surely there's some, they have some federal version of affirmative action out there. No, I mean, it's not used in anything, uh, as far as I know. Now, there may be something I don't know, but as far as what I've read, there is no form of affirmative action in, in, as, lo- as far as college admissions. Yeah. As far as, I don't know about employment or whatever, they, but sure, as far sure. as college admissions, they don't, they, they don't use it out there, which I know is shocking. Like, I didn't even realize that until I was reading it. I was like, wow, that's, that's I mean, kind of, I, not something that, I would have thought. Is that not federally illegal if, it's a fed- if that affirmative action is a federal thing? Well, I mean... It, y- well, I mean, Harvard's a private institution and is using it. So it's not necessarily a federal mandated thing that you do. Now, what's federal is obviously the 14th Amendment, Legal Protection, and then the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can't discriminate against somebody based on race. And, sure. and, 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 and the, nor should you. Right. But, but affirmative action, as you just kind of said a minute ago, favors people because of race or, 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 or causes people opportunities because of race. When you said you know, so that if race tips the scales... Right. Then, then that's racist. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that was Justice Roberts' argument that what you're saying is what he said was that if equal protection means anything, then it's it should be that the Constitution is colorblind. That was his argument that it should be that way. The uh, what's interesting to me though about this, and we can get into this in the next segment if you want. Yeah. He made an exception, and that's is what kind of irks me about this decision. He made an exception for military academies that you can still use it in military academies, and I just thought that kind of takes away from everything you're just saying if that's what you think and again i don't i'm not saying i agree with just roberts i don't it's the continued wokeness of our military well now well here's what they said and this is what robert said you know that the supreme court's decision allows the academies to continue race conscious admissions policies that have historically been justified by the need for a diverse officer corps as of 2022 the department of defense's office of Diversity, equity, and inclusion, I know you hate that term, assessed that while 19% of the military's enlisted personnel were black, only 8% of its officers were black. Justice uh, Ketanji Brown actually had a really good uh, response to that that I agreed with. So the court has come to the rest of the bottom line conclusion that racial diversity in higher education is only worth potentially preserving insofar as it might be needed to prepare black Americans and other unrepresented minorities for success in the bunker and not in the boardroom. I don't know how you argue against that, because if you're going to make that exception for the military academies, like, it, why, why, why do you think? Why would they have done that? I mean, I, well, I have a theory that they're trying to uh, wokeify the military, and they feel like it's easier to do that with black folks than, uh, than white folks. But, and, you know, as we discussed on here before, many times, like, black folks are, um, black folks are not so, I wouldn't consider them, you know, woke, right? I mean, like, woke in terms of social policies. The example, yeah. I think we were talking about this before, maybe not here but definitely yeah, hell, do you, the, the whole term woke came from black folks saying hope throwing up the fist saying stay woke yeah I, but i mean I, in terms of like liberal social policies and i'll give you an example of this and i told you about this before you know i went to a, a juneteenth rally because one of my friends is running for office and and i and i was basically the only white person there and every and it was uh, everybody's black and it talked and talking to a lot of people and you know of course people heard me on the radio and, and stuff like that and they said uh you know we're not down with this LGBT stuff. I yeah. mean, this was like every black person I talked to. And these are all the people that vote Democrat. So I think that, you know, there's a misconception that they're like, but they, they're they, in with the social programs because they're well, not. But they are. When you vote for these candidates that push these policies, you're, 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 you're for it. Well, Whether you're endorsed. You, yeah, yeah, right. We've got to take our break. Sure. We'll be right back. This is Clay Edwards Show with Sean Yurkron on 103.9 FM WYAB. All right, welcome back in to The Clay Edwards Show, live here on 103.9 FM, WYAB. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends over at, how about Lakeland Glass and Tent? Get out there, see them for all your window tinting, windshield replacement, automotive glass replacement needs, all your home, car, and business window tinting needs. And, of course, they're doing vehicle wraps now. They're also offering ceramic coatings and more over there at Lakeland Glass and tent where quality matters. Located on Lakeland Drive for your windshield and automotive glass replacement needs. And right there on Flowood Drive across from River Oaks Hospital on in a, on Flowood Drive. That's right. Uh, they go, go over there for all your window tinting and a vehicle wrap needs. But you can start it all online at lakelandglassandtent.com. Get your estimate, book your appointments for window tint, windshields, and all that good stuff. They try to keep it real simple. Or you can give them a call if the internet isn't your thing. 601 601- Nine four six, one thousand. Uh, Sean, let's take a call real quick, man. Our buddy here has called a couple times. Sure. Hey, brother, you got a couple minutes? Hello. Let's try this other one. Hey, good morning. You on there? Hey, 
Clay. Hey. Hey, I, I just got one quick question. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. We can hear you. All right. So, so what are we going to do when the schools stop accepting certain when the schools stop accepting certain races because of the because of the bill that was passed and the athletes? So when all the athletes decide that they want to go to community colleges and HBCUs because they won't get accepted other places. So what are the, what are Ole Miss going to do? What are Mississippi State going to do? What are they going to do? Okay, so just so we're on the same page here. I don't think that that's going to be an issue. But this this just comes down where it removes race as a determining factor. There is no there is no set. I don't think you're going to have to worry about schools saying no. We've met our black quota, or we've met our white quota. I don't. I don't think that's going to be the the issue. But, I think but, it's, it's just, it just you, eliminates that as a determining to, factor. But it's going to deter people from applying because or wanting to go to a school. To a lot of people, don't like to hear no. So it's going to deter people from coming to schools because of this. So what are they going to do? Well, I, I, I'm just going to have to disagree with you. I, I, that is that is a boogeyman kind of, you know, people think they're going to hear not, that. It's not a boogeyman. I think the most, nobody nobody think, wants to feel like they're not wanted. So the only thing that schools have that makes people come, makes it makes them feel like they're wanted. Nobody wants to feel like they're not wanted. So hmm. nobody's going to go play nowhere where they feel like they're not wanted. So a, you, affirmative with, action told, makes you need affirmative you, action to feel wanted? Right now, if I told you right now, well, we only accept certain people, but hey, we're going to accept you just because you're good. Not because we want you, but just because you're good. So you're going to come play for me even though you're good, but we, we, even though I don't want you, you're still going to come play for me? I, 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 I'm not necessarily understanding how you're wording this. So uh, if initially, if all, if all schools decide, hey, and then this goes for black and white, if all schools decide, hey, well, we only go accept people just because of their merit, not because of color, not be, not because of race, not because of funding and anything else. We're going to accept people off merit. So if we only accept people off merit, so how are we going to basically keep funding programs that are not initially for diversity, if that makes sense to you? A, a little bit. I'm going to answer that off air. Thank you, brother. Not off air, but off the phone, um, Sean. What I think, the way I understood that, and I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to say what I think about this. Okay. I, I don't think athletes got anything to worry about. I think, I, I don't think th- this isn't going to create a quota. This is eliminating any any concept of there being a quota. As yeah. far as we're not going to accept no more black people, we're not going to accept no more white people. This 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 does away with that. And 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 he said about f- wanting to feel wanted. If I'm, if I'm. If I, I would feel better about being welcomed on merit than I would on affirmative action. Affirmative action would not make me feel wanted. That would actually be the complete opposite of I'm only here because I'm a certain race. Well, I mean, I think definitely with athletes, I mean, if you can throw the football, you're going anywhere you want, right? I mean, especially if it's a football school. I don't yeah, think they, exactly. I mean, you could not be able to read, and there's been a million examples of that. Uh, absolutely. That, I mean, you're, if, you're if, going. If you've got, you got more than four, four, four or five stars beside your name, Brother, it don't matter. Yeah, that's a. But we could do a whole other radio show on the yeah. hypocrisy of that. But um, yeah, it's. I don't. 
again, it's not a you know, it's not a, like a quota. I know, and I know it feels like that's the easy way. I, and I, I do too. I'm kind of like I, I want to say that too, right? I, I, that's not what I've no, always said. I know I it's know. easy. It's easier way, to, and I, I get where that comes from. But it's just, uh, I mean, these are these are people that are you know equally qualified. But one interesting thing though that I did find out was these aren't like folks that are any of these folks: white, black, Hispanic, um, Asian that are in a lower socioeconomic class. Now, mind you, these are all people that come from the best of the best families. Like 99% of the time, and there is the exception of the guy that pulled himself like, uh, I'm glad you brought that. this up, but that is, that is. And so we're not talking about broke folks getting mm-hmm. into Harvard. These are all for the most part, overwhelming majority, wealthy families, wealthy kids that went to the best schools and they're all super smart and they're all getting into Harvard. That that that's not the, like the, <clears throat> there is. Yes, yeah, so everybody knows the example of the kid. I know Rene, uh, his son, got into Yale, full ride, and went to Lawrence County High School. Okay, yeah. there's an example of a kid that didn't grow up with money and was able to do that and was amazing. And, and the kid's brilliant. But that's that is not that's the exception. That ain't the rule. Well, I think that's how you actually break generational poverty. Is if there's a kid that checks off all the boxes. From a edu- you know, from a smart standpoint, from a merit standpoint, mm-hmm. regardless of financial background, that that is that is how the, if you want to tip the scales a little bit, like say this is how we break generational poverty. We're going to take this kid who checks off every box, and we're going to send him to Harvard or or you know what uh, Harvard University of Tennessee State. Ole Miss, I mean, six one way, half dozen other. You know, if you want an education, I'm not even, mm. I'm not even pro education unless you're, I mean, pro big four year college education unless you're going for a specific reason, doctor, lawyer, engineer, something, a, a, what I'll call a, a skill. Now, now, see, Clay, now you're sounding like a liberal because a liberal commentator yesterday I was watching made that same comment, and I agree with you, but the socioeconomic class, yeah. they said that that they're the ones who made this comment about this is the best of the best, the one that I just said. And that this does the positive thing of this. I mean, of course, I do think there's negatives, but we can get into that later. The positive thing is what you're saying, that the kids that are poor, that are qualified, have a better shot. Well, I'm that from this Mississippi. More, yeah, I, that there's, it's, there's, there's poor white and black people here. I, I, you know, I can sit here and say poor and it not be about race. I want to make sure I'm being clear about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what, uh, that's what they're saying, that, like, that this – you know, this was geared toward, not necessarily affirmative actions geared toward for rich kids, but the applicants to Harvard were overwhelmingly wealthy. Yeah. I mean, we're overwhelmingly wealthy. So. Hold that we got to take a break here. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards Show with Sean Yurkaran. What's left of of the of this hour? I don't want to get too knee deep into too much of this, but one of the things we're going to talk about with Sean Yurkaran on the other side of the break here, and I'm going to, we are going to open up the phones again. I know a bunch of y'all have been calling. Uh, but we ain't got no time left to take a call this hour. But I'll, I'll let you know when the phone lines are open. I want to hear from y'all. I absolutely do. Uh, you guys are a big part of this show. Uh, one of the things we were just saying that we want to talk about when we get out. What was it I said? What were we talking about during the break? I'm having a brain fart. Well, I think we, you know, you'd brought up the socioeconomic status, yes. which was, I thought was a really great argument about it, too. And, and that's what the court had said in the, in the decision. But we haven't gotten to the other race factor of this. It was Asian Americans mm-hmm. that we haven't gotten to. And, you know, also... If people don't know the history of this, Asian Americans also have been historically discriminating in this country for the last 200 years as well, with Chinese Exclusion Act, uh, with the internment of Japanese prisoners during World War II. I mean, there's been a lot of discrimination against Asians in this country as well. Like that, that all occurred, and um, so that that's another. So that make that, it creates an interesting dynamic with this case, including Asian Americans involved in it. 
And, uh, and, and again, uh, my Harvard application didn't get overlooked because I'm white. It was the GED on there. They kept me out of Harvard. Yeah, I went to Yale last year, and uh, I bought a T-shirt. You know, I've got the Yale shirt. <laughs> so. All right, well, let's take our break. We'll be right back on the Clay Edwards Show. All right, welcome back in to the second hour of the Clay Edwards Show. We're closing out a huge week of shows here as we get ready to go into the beginning of MAGA month, the July 1776. Fourth of July weekend coming up here in the South, man. Look, um, guys, let's we got to come back together on some stuff. Um, I know we're coming off the Juneteenth stuff and the Pride stuff and all that. Fourth of July is one for all of us. That ain't a white holiday. That ain't a Republican holiday. That is an American holiday. Can we start acting like that? Can we start acting like that? I need everybody to come together this weekend. Pop the top on whatever your cold beer of choice is or mixed drink or whatever, or water if you don't drink barbecue, have some fun, enjoy yourselves, go to a baseball game, fireworks, there's a bunch of great fireworks shows around, you know, let, let's get back to being at least American. Can we do that? And, and, you know, then we can have our differences under that umbrella instead of having to hate America. Can, 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 can that be my request for the weekend? Can we just stop hating America? All right. Why you're out not hating America this weekend? Are you soaking all that in? Uh, get out to Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's this weekend or have them delivered. Uh, they Go to the takeabreakdeliveries.com or download their app. Hit up Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. Twelve different uh, specialty pies, nine different frozen daiquiris on tap, full service bar. They got it all. They got live entertainment on the weekends, you know, like one those one-man acoustical jam kind of things or the guy plays the piano, whatever it is. It's great entertainment. It's got a very cheers kind of vibe in there if you want to go hang out. Can't recommend it more. People are constantly complimenting how good their pizza is. And I may finally get back over there this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to be solo this weekend. So I may uh, end up at Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's uh, and shoot the breeze with Chip. Uh, so that's that, that's Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. I've already mentioned take a break deliveries. Support those guys. Locally owned, veteran owned food delivery service. Delete those other apps out of your phone. Download take a break deliveries. Use the promo code, all caps, CLAY601. Get $5 off your delivery fee. You won't. You will not regret it. Great service, even better customer service. If something goes wrong, Keith and the team take care of it. No questions asked. Also, we're gonna run through our lunches real quick. Madison County, get out there to the gathering, Highway 22 and 463, at the corner of today's special fried catfish. You already know it's Friday in Mississippi. It's fried catfish is the blue plate. Go try that. They have many. They have other menu items as well. I recommend the fried chicken. And if you're in Rankin County, the big salad. If you want something, it's going to be hot as Hades today. Uh, today is definitely a big salad day for Clay. I, I don't need anything too greasy, anything too hot today. Go about the big salad right there in Renaissance. You try one of their uh, custom, you know, you can create your own or you can try one of their multiple specialty salads. My girlfriend loves the bravocado. I like the uh, chicken Caesar. <clears throat> it's a wrap, actually, not a salad. But try that. that you can order them online, the big salad dot com and uh nationally national chain locally owned that's a big that's a big 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 deal there's a franchise but it is locally owned so check out the big salad right there in dogwood on market street in flowood um right across from where america if you're familiar with where america is back there it's right across the uh, parking lot from there right next to the great american cookie store (laughs) go eat healthy and then top it off with some diabetes there at the big salad all right 
Um, Sean, let's take a call. We got our buddy Jerry. Okay. Hey, hey man. Hey, Jerry. How you doing, hey, brother? Hey, Jerry. What's up? I'm fine. Enjoying the talk. I won't be able to listen very much longer. We've got to do a little work. Um, I got a chance. I was late last night watching C-SPAN, you know, trying to get educated, and uh, they actually had the argument from the – Sorry, go ahead. I was trying to. Get, yeah, sorry. I was trying to put somebody on hold. No, no. And it messed up. Uh, they had the uh, Supreme Court arguments with the uh, lawyer for the uh, citizens fighting it and the Harvard lawyer presenting it from April 22nd. Um, yeah, there was quotas on there, Sean, and they were able to prove it. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Lord, I watched an hour and a half of it. Well, you know, Sean, um, Sean didn't see that. No, I know that. I mean, well, I'm just uh, actually I'm quoting from the Supreme Court case where they. I'm what I my statement was that they outlawed quotas in Baki in 1978. I mean, that's what it says uh, in the decision. Yeah, in 2003, they had another one where they allowed it, and this one went in. And when you have uh, Alito and all of them said, "Okay, then why is every Asian getting lower scores on this character?" inclusion and everything else and the lawyer for harvard was like well we're allowed to do this it was and yes everyone is qualified by their grades but they were excluding certain people based on uh well anyway yeah i mean i think jerry i think that's true that's part but the um that what i yeah what i was referencing was but in baki in 78 the court lewis powell actually wrote a decision and they got rid of quotas but per the court, what they said, I don't know what the actual practice of the universities were, but the court got rid of it. And then O three, what you're talking about was the point system that they got rid of. But they had another companion case with the University of Michigan Law School where they allowed this holistic approach, which I still don't understand what that even means, uh, really. That, but that's yeah, but that's what. But that is a well, it's a backdoor way to like, uh, hey, we got a reading test before you get to vote. And that's basically what it is. We're not keeping you from voting, but if you can't read this test, by the way. And anyway, it's interesting. I, I agree with you that Justin should be blind, but apparently it's not at the elite schools, and it's going to hurt the legacy people at Harvard who have money. That is what it is. They're trying to protect the Harvard Law Schools, the Yale Law School. By the way, did you know Yale was named after a slave owner? Why haven't they changed that name? Because it wouldn't be as prestigious. Ah, yes. They can't take that name away. That's exactly it. But anyway, I, it should not be factored in anything. It should be uh, what you know Martin Luther King said. Uh, and your caller earlier, he he made the argument for marriage. He said, "Well, why? You know, look, prime uh, Deion Sanders. He he's not going out and getting one and two stars." He's getting three and four stars. He is he is discriminating based on ability as well, far as football. And uh, but anyway, I'd encourage go look. I, I'm not a junkie. I just started watching it, but I did notice one thing. There is one of the stupidest Supreme Court justices that should never be on there. That's Sotomayor. She is ignorant. I mean, you listen. She is. I thought, I thought you were going to go with Kentanji Brown. Well, no, Kentaji Brown recused herself because, believe it or not, she wrote the opinion for the University of North Carolina that was being challenged, and she got beat down so bad in the opinion from Justice Thomas. It's embarrassing. I mean, I'm up here thinking, and guess what she is? She got appointed because what What were her qualifications, her first two that the uh, administration said? Well, the same one as the vice president. Black woman. It wasn't because she's a good judge. Everywhere she's been, it's been an appointment because well, she is a black woman 
And when you read the opinions, you're like, good Lord. Well, I Jer- didn't go to law school, but I could write that. Jerry, let me ask you this question now. It, you said that this shouldn't be taken into account in anything. What do you think about Justice Roberts saying that it's okay for the military academies to do it? I think he's wrong. I mean, I mean that, that, but, but, then, but then I think you're wrong. I think I, I, if I'm going to war, just like if I want a surgeon, I'm not looking to see if they went to a certain college. I mean, Lord, you know, I, did he go to Mississippi State? Did he go to Ole Miss? Or did he go to Bellhaven? Did he go to Tulane? I want the guy that can – look, I had surgery once, and I was like, I don't care what their bedside manner is. I want to know what kind of surgeon they are. And uh, well, because some people, that's it. Don't I just want to know if they can do the job. But how does how do you think Justice Roberts reconciles that with the rest of his opinion? I, look, Justice Roberts rewrote law from the bench. I wrote a law from the bench for Obamacare. If you read the law in the Constitution, that is a uh, the, and we don't have anybody for backbone in Congress. And I know y'all interviewed Michael Guest. Thank you, by the way. He wasn't in office at the time. But you do not get to claim that a fee is now a tax. He should have sent that back to the Congress and let them rewrite it. But he wrote a law from the bench, which is not constitutional, but nobody called him on it because that they just don't do stuff like that. Our representatives, it's, it's a coin-operated system with our representatives and senators, and that's basically it. And that's donations and whatever else. But I don't agree with him in a lot of things. But I, I, I can tell you, watching that C-SPAN, I was like, oh, my gosh. This, I wouldn't be asking a question if I was – I mean, I'm ignorant on the air, but, you know, only, only about 50,000 people see me or hear me. I hope, I hope they don't know me. <laughs> I but, just don't uh, know how he reconciles it when he's saying yeah, that the equal protection under the law should be colorblind, but, then, but unless it's the military. Like, that just seems a little ridiculous. Well, let's go back to his ruling on Obamacare. How do you reconcile that, the, yes, the Constitution says that a tax can be levied – and they didn't write this into the law. Therefore, I am going to deem that they wrote that in there. How do you how do you justify that? You're talking about the individual mandate, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that's that. That was yeah. That was an interesting opinion so on his wrote, part, right? He, that's he true. Basically, I'm like, how could you say this and deem this? And by the way, the woman uh, Kagan was appointed by Obama for one purpose. She was the general counsel for the White House who helped write the law. They appointed her. She should have recused herself because she helped write the law, and she was a. It was a five-four decision, you know. So if we're going, to, you know, come up, so, oh, you got to step back on these things. But she helped write it. But she did actually, uh, or she defended it. So she 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 got the vote on as well. Robert, look, your guess on him is as good as any. But I do agree with you. It should be outlawed, and um, uh, uh, for all, I'm not to outlawed. It shouldn't be the determining factor. And uh, and but anyway, uh, Harvard changed a little bit. If you get a chance, go and watch them at C-SPAN. The guy I can't remember his name who argued for the uh, citizens suing, and it was an Asian group. God, he Elam, was the Elam, that's his name, right? I don't remember Elam. his yeah. name, but I'm telling you, he he's, was he's on point. I don't know who he was, but I was like, good night. He's filed a lot of these lawsuits over the last twenty years. Elam, I think it's David Elam. Is his name? Well, yeah. and he was he was he was it was fun to watch. And I looked up and I said, God, it's one thirty in the morning. i got to go to bed. Um, but anyway, it's on C-SPAN, and they just let them go. It was a back and forth between the justices and them. It was very, very interesting. I know you've seen a lot of them, but um, it was my first time to ever watch. I just was flipping channels and saw it on. But, hey, look, I really enjoy y'all's show. I enjoy everything you do, Clay, and, uh, um, you know, and keeping, keeping everybody's podcast up to date. I know I've texted you before. People need to take advantage of that. 
if they're not able to listen because it's a you know, long drive. It's nice to listen to. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, Jerry. Have a good fourth, man. Thank you. you too. Thanks, you know, the, Jerry always has great phone calls. Oh, yeah. That's why, I, that's, why I, uh, yeah. that's why I give him the link. People think I, I don't like it when I like it when he calls in. <laughs> yeah, see, I get, that's why I give him the length, you know, because it's yeah. well thought out. Look, I, I just sit back and listen to some of that and like, man, y'all are so much smarter than me. <laughs> more, more, uh, more, more well read anyway. But uh, look, let's take a break real quick. Come back. We're going to jump back into this thing. I got some topics I want to hit. We'll open up the phone lines a little bit too. This is the Clay Edwards Show. We'll be right back on 103.9 FM WYAB. Into the Clay Edwards Show. We're live here on 103.9 FM WYAB. I haven't mentioned the Guns and Gear text line today. Uh, y'all have been blowing it up, and we will read some text from the text line here shortly. And if you want to text in, 769-214-19. I'm sorry, 769-241-1944. 769-241-1944. Forty-four. Real quick. Um, speaking of guns and gear, how about you get out there to guns and gear this weekend? And uh, not, no better way to celebrate the fourth than with a new pew pew. Get out there and do some gun shopping this weekend. You can start online at gunsandgearms.com or go follow them on Facebook. I'm telling you, the deal, Fred's deals of the day. They're on Facebook or something to behold. Don't, don't miss out. They don't last long. Just go search guns in gear on Facebook, and you'll find it. Also, located right there on Highway 51 North in Gluckstadt, and they're way more than just a gun store. They offer Cerakoting, gunsmithing, a ton of accessories, and they will also buy your gun. No point in going to a pawn shop when you can just go to Guns and Gear. Again, shop them online, gunsandgearms.com. And I know we've got somebody on hold here, but I want to bring this up first. Sure. I'll get to you before, caller, I will get to you before, uh, before the next break. Sean, you know, one of the things that got brought up in, in, in this was, and my thing is this, affirmative action had a, it had a, a solid purpose when it was created. Um, but how long is long enough? And that was actually raised by um, the, I guess the respondents, the, uh, the universities in this case. So in the 2003 case we discussed earlier was that Grodd's case uh, in where they got rid of the point system. And then, of course, there was a companion case where they came up with this holistic approach thing. Anyway, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who used to be was uh, the first female justice on the court, she said she gave like a arbitrary deadline of 25 years, which would be 2028 because that case came out in 2003. And that was kind of one of the arguments by Harvard and um, and University of North Carolina was that, you know, it's not 2028 yet. But Justice Roberts' argument was that, you know, you say 2028, but you really mean 2038, 2048, 2058. Like when it's never ending, so that mm-hmm. is a, that is a point. Like when when's the time frame on it? And that was a you know hotly debated issue in this case. What's the time frame on affirmative action? Because it has an expiration date, but just nobody knows exactly when that is. Now, what Robert said about Sandra Day O'Connor's comment was that that was just she was just saying twenty five years as an arbitrary deadline, not yeah. that she meant a firm yeah. twenty five years. Is because nobody can know. No. I mean, how do you know like when? That policy is going to be effective, or whether it's worked or not, you can't just say you know, arbitrarily like twenty-five years or fifty years or whatever you're going to do. Right, and but there, the issue, main issue, I think, was there's an expiration date that everybody agreed on, but when that is, yeah. nobody really knows. Well, look, here's the deal, and I told you this off air. My thing is this: the very people who keep telling me that I'm a racist and that we're racist, and if uh, you know, if anybody right of center is racist, are the very ones who are truly benefiting from racist racist policies. And we know that black people were, were dealt a bad hand initially in America. I get it. 
and nobody can argue that, right? Uh, but so so the the only way to make that right is to allow racism against everybody else for X amount of time. The, the, you know, there's got to be an expiration date on the on, on the reverse racism, as people call it. I just call it racism. But, uh, you know, on the racism from the minority side. Yeah, I think um, when they started these these programs, right, in the, basically after the Civil Rights Act 1964, it was seen how do you rectify that, – that's the whole thing. How do you rectify the sins of the past? Sure. How do you do that? And if you look at Justice Thomas's opinion, he kind of talks about this and, you know, and who – does this just generation to blame for the sins of its ancestors? That's kind of, that argument's been going on forever. Like, and that's kind of what the, you know, the reparations argument that we're dealing with today too, and you see that in California. So like wh- what is going to fix this? Because we all agree that – the the hand that black folks were dealt was horrible. I mean, slavery, and then of course, corresponding what happened afterwards with Jim Crow, and continues on to this day. The uh, not Jim Crow, but you know what I mean. No, and, not, nothing continues on. Well, this day. we'll we can we can save that for another show. But if you want, nothing. but the um, so, anyways, how do you rectify that? And affirmative action is one of the tools that they use to do that. Now, is the argument, of course, is there a time limit on that, and what is that time limit, and how does that program work to uplift? Um, African Americans in society, yeah. and that's gonna be. It. All right, let's do the, let's take a call real quick. All right, brother, we've been playing phone tag this morning. You're on there. Hey, Clay. How you doing, Joe? Pretty good. It seems like that uh, Sean kind of understands these Supreme Court cases, and so I want to bring up one kind of along the same vein. And 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 be honest with you, it's not extremely clear to me. So he he may have more information than I. But there was a case that went before the Supreme Court, brought by a civil rights group in Alabama in the court uh, they've said that the uh, blacks were being misrepresented by the uh, the districts the congressional districts sure. strong that was another and, yeah the, and the then, redlining so, uh, stuff yeah the Alabama uh, Reese you know countersued and said we want to you know we don't think that's true and we want to be out from underneath the civil rights mandates of 1964. Supreme mm-hmm. Court came back and said, no, you can't be out from underneath these mandates. But it also, since the black population increased by 3% in Alabama, you need to redraw another guaranteed black um, mm-hmm. uh, voting district. And then there was a similar case in Louisiana where the same thing fell down, that they told Louisiana you have to add a, a second guaranteed black district. You know, Mississippi has one. Right. You know, we have Benny Thompson get elected, and I happen to be in his district, and I don't like him at all. Well, and they're, they're, well yeah, yeah, as far as congressional yeah. districts, yeah. yeah. They, they came, to, you're right, they, exactly, they came down with these uh, cases, the same term. It's interesting, This it, the court came out with those, I guess we call them gerrymandering cases, where if you look at the congressional maps in Louisiana and Alabama, they were obviously gerrymandered to create a black district, a majority black district. And the court's saying that you couldn't do that, and those had to be redrawn, and they're going to redraw that based on, I believe they, I haven't read the opinions on that, I've just read kind of the cliff notes, you would say. And they, um, they're, they're requiring that those be withdrawn, uh, redrawn, to you know, represent, to make it more equally representative, representative which I think is going to allow for another African-American district in both those states, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Well, if they make the district fair so that, that both black or white has an equal choice, kind of like mm-hmm. the second congressional district here in Mississippi um, used to be, you know, Benny Thompson's district was once held by Mike Espy. 
And right. at that time, it was more of a 50-50. So it was possible for a black person to get elected. And I think most people would agree that Mike Espy was, was very fair and equitable to both black and white. It represented him fairly. And uh, then when Clinton appointed him to uh, Agricultural Commission or something like that, they redrew the district to make it guaranteed. And now you got Benny Thompson, who doesn't feel like he's accountable to anybody, and he's kind of become a, a kingmaker in his own district. You know, if you, if you look at those uh, interesting, if you look look at those um, congressional maps, you'll can see the way they're drawn. Not Mississippi's as much as Alabama's. I think Terry Sewell represents that district. It's 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 just some, it's some interesting artwork the way they drew the district to ensure that there was going to be one. So I mean, I think the opinion that they came out with was right that they need to re- redraw these districts. Yeah, well, you know, look, I I, I think that in Mississippi we're, we're diverse enough. I mean, outside of Jackson being eighty percent black, I think we're we're rather diverse enough that you could draw these lines if you wanted to make it quote unquote a fifty fifty shot or close to mm-hmm. a fifty fifty shot to get somebody black or white or let's just say a Republican or a Democrat. It ain't. They they don't want a black Republican in there. I can assure you. So they 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 want a black Democrat in there. They don't want a white liberal. They want a black Democrat in there. So they're trying to draw these things. You get a black Democrat in there, but you could redraw all this stuff and make it more fifty fifty. I'm not happy with the with frankly our conservative districts with some of the representation we've had in those. I mean, granted they're not Benny Thompson, but but the, the legislature they haven't been great either. But the legislature draws them up, and they're all Republican controlled. So I mean, they're drawn up the way they want them. Well, they just drew, uh, you know, on a statewide, le- on a state level, they just drew Melanie Sojourner right out of hers. Blame your your party. I mean, no, they're, they're that's the a Delbert. Did, that is a Delbert Hoseman, Delbert the Democrat decision, and we we are going to blame him uh, at the polls. I promise. I mean, what would be fair is just hey, just draw some straight lines. Just take a a, a ruler and divide it by five ways. And whoever happens to fall in that district, you know, that's, you know, race or whatever, that's, that to me would be the only fair way of doing it. Because when you, when you draw a district, gerrymandered district to make sure a black person is elected, then you're also excluding your white representation. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when people say, call your representative on gun control or whatever, I realize it's actually, um, useless for me to call Benny Thompson and ask him to do anything because he knows that he's not accountable to the public. He can do anything and everything he wants to do. He'd not help you on gun like, control though. I bet he would if you wanted to do gun control. Like that that is one of his issues, right? No, no, no. Yeah, he was he another way do around. whatever his people yeah. tell him to do. Well, you made a great point about him being a kingmaker in his district because that is exactly what he has become. And and he ain't doing a very good job of of, of his selected kings. I mean, don't you think every politician that's been in office that long, whether they be Republican, Democrat, or the kingmaker, to a certain extent? Yeah, but man, you know, I can allow some stuff when, when it seems to be for the betterment of the area. Nothing good is happening in his district. I mean, it is just a dumpster fire. You know, during the, um, I'll tell you one thing I was really impressed by him was during the water debacle that we had here. Because he actually, you know, Clay, I think he agreed with you and I on yeah, this chokeway mess. He, well, how I mean, did he not? Yeah, I mean, he uh, he went out there. He cared about his uh, about you know he represents the city of Jackson. I mean, he cared. I think most of it. Can't remember the way the district is there, but um, he cared. I mean, he cared about that. He was he was. Uh, I've talked to people that were working at the plant, and uh, he was ground zero, man. Yeah, well, I mean, t- he was. And Chucky got too got too greedy. Yeah, I mean, I think there. I don't know the. You know, I hear rumors just like we all do. Yeah. That there's warring factions between the Thompson camp and Chokeway Lomba, but I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. Of course, that's just word on the street kind of thing but he was he was here for that and he was i thought he did a really excellent job trying to 
get that situation resolved. Now, the Jackson delegation is so scared down at the state capitol of offending Chuck. He, he wields too much power in there because they're scared he'll get out there and they'll, he'll tell people they ain't black enough or they ain't, uh, they ain't Democrat enough in the case of, uh, what's the one white guy from Jackson? David, uh, the one white, white state rep for Jackson. Um, Oh, 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 you uh, the guy uh, David Blunt, Senator, Blunt Senator, yeah. yeah. You know, that's why they all have to, you know, team up with Chalkway on anything. That's why they all have to say they're against HB 1020 and all that because they're scared of uh, Chalkway turning the turning the Black Votes Matter posse against them. And, and your buddy uh, Pastor Pickett's running for against David Blunt. That'll be interesting. <laughs> Pick your poison there. That'll be all just right. in a few weeks, right? That's August, so not, not, yeah. not too long off. Yeah, all right, brother. Hey, great call, man. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah thank you all. Uh-huh. Let's take a break real quick. Try to keep this uh, hour on schedule here. This is the Clay Edwards Show with Sean York Run. Uh, having a good time today discussing the affirmative action stuff. If you want to call in, tell you what, we're going to close the phone lines down for the day. We're going to uh, read the text, 769-241-1944. And uh, I want to hear what Sean's got to say about some of this stuff. We'll be right back. Breaking rules when necessary. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. This segment is going to be brought to you by our friends, over at, how about, since we're going into the weekend, we're going into the weekend, how about you go get your hair did at Patina's Hair Salon? That's what you need to do. Walk-ins, welcome. Uh, how long you got to wait? I don't know on a walk-in. You can schedule your appointment at patinahairstudio.com. Patina, no S, patinahairstudio.com. Or go search them on Facebook, Patina Hair Studio. Get you a style that you can recreate at home. Man, they do it all there from men's cuts to full-blown colors, extensions, the whole nine yards. And look, here's the great thing. Ladies, hey, men, I ain't judging. They got they do manicures, pedicures, the whole nine yards. Also, I keep talking about their shampoo chairs, or they call them shampoo stations. They are one. They are full-body massage. Well, full-back massage from shoulders all the way down to your feet. It's this air massage deal. It is fabulous. I don't get to use the word fabulous on this show enough. It is fabulous. It's located right out there in Ridgeland. Again, check them out on Facebook at Patina Hair Studio or go to their website, patinahairstudio.com and get you a nice haircut. And the way they the way they cut hair, even men's hair, like me with a fade, the way they do it there, you really only got to go back about once a month to get your hair cut. She'll schedule you one for two weeks out and she, get, she won't guarantee it, but she will just about guarantee that you'll call and cancel and move it to another two weeks out. I mean, you think about that spread out over a year, you're saving half the money you would have spent on haircuts. That's a good deal if you ask Clay Edwards. All right, that's Patina Hair Studio. Sean, um, you've you, you been kind of chomping at the bit a little bit on this to talk about the, the Asian side of this whole equation here, which is which is kind of what brought this whole thing yeah. to where it's at. Not kind of. It, it is what got it to the Supreme Court, correct? Yeah, that's uh, well. Like I was talking to Jerry, he was calling and talking about the lawyer. And his name is Elam. And he's been filing these lawsuits for years. He's part of a conservative group that files. Uh, it's been trying to end affirmative action. He finally tacked on to a group that you know worked for him. But I'm a better lack of a better phrase. Yeah. And um, it was the uh, discrimination against Asian Americans in uh, college admissions at Harvard and University of North Carolina. And which is just, it creates an interesting dynamic to me in this case. Uh, and you and I discussed this off air last night where Asian-Americans were getting admitted at a, a lesser rate than black uh, blacks and, and Hispanics. And you know, I, I understand that the black experience in America has been you know, far worse in regards to what happened to them with slavery and 
It had to be pretty rough on Asians uh, after World War II. Well, even before, like in the the late 19th century, they passed this thing called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was a uh, limit on on Chinese immigration to the United States. We all hear the stories. The Chinese came here and worked on the railroads. And, of course, there was Native American, not Indians, but like... Uh, called natives, you know, like in the movie uh, Gangs of New York. Yeah. They were upset about this because it was taking their jobs. Kind of like the arguments you hear today about immigration and Mexicans coming across. South Park. They took their jobs. It's that kind of – that. even back then they yeah. were making – there was people making the same arguments against – and it, it wasn't the Mexicans then. It was the Chinese. Yeah. And they were mad the Chinese were coming in, especially in places like California. Yeah, the West Coast. There. Yeah, West Coast. They were, you know, mad about that. They're very that. settled out there, you know, from Seattle. The, from the, they see the fish market and stuff mm-hmm. and, and just all that, the the, uh, the seafood business out there the, and, and whatnot. You know, it's very Asian. And, of course, centric. it was easier to get on the boat, I guess, and from yeah. and, and get first to – First place you get to. First place you get to. So they, um, so they excluded them. from, and They didn't end the Asian exclusion – I mean, the Asian Chinese Exclusion Act until, I think, 1943. So it lasted from, like, around 1886 till 1943. So they, they dealt with that. And then, of course – Let's go to World War II. Japanese Americans were interned in internment camps. And that was the Supreme Court years later had a case. It was called Korematsu, and they reversed that. And they said, of course, the federal government obviously acted wrongly by interning Japanese American citizens as possible, you know, where they might be spies. I mean, yeah. at time. So they, the, the Asian experience in America has been very difficult as well. Like, they've, they've encountered their own struggles that I think we all need to respect and understand. And so that's what makes this case so interesting to me is how do you reconcile that? Like, between – is it is is it fundamentally unfair to them, too? And which it kind of is. I mean, I don't think it, anybody can say that it's not, that they've experienced the discrimination the way that they have. And um, and it just makes this case so complex to me and so hard emotionally how to feel about it because you have these two groups. Like, would it have been better to, if you're going to use affirmative action, could that have been implied to tip the scales in the favor of Asian candidates as well? well you or, know, I mean, but it wasn't. No, you know, and here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to take this back to a black-white issue real quick because I, it, we needed this to happen. You know, if, you, if, 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 you, if, you're, if you're in the camp of I'm tired of affirmative action, I'm tired of – kind of this quote-unquote reverse racism or uh, governed discrimination, stuff of that nature, you needed these other minority groups to kind of point their cannons of oppression at each other and fire and say, and, and let them fight this out because inevitably they're going to have to be what, what, what kills this too. Well, nobody feels bad for white rich people. Let's put it that way. They were nobody trying feels to go, bad for white poor people. But I mean, but especially white rich people. I mean, we just saw that whole Titanic sub thing. Yeah. we all everybody. Was, that's a great point. I mean, we all nobody feels bad for white rich people. It's like, oh no, Buffy, you don't get to go to the tea, you know, get tea or whatever you do. But I mean, so nobody <laughs> feels bad for them. I mean, and so that, but people do do respect that you know Asians have been discriminated against and, and quite harshly. I mean, being interned and. Camps is not. I mean, it was akin to what was going on in no. Germany at the time. Well, yeah, and 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 here. Um, no, we didn't. We didn't kill them. But you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, here's what I think happened. I th- th- that the summer of 2020, with the George Floyd stuff and everything that happened after that, the blacks went for too hard of a power grab on everything, and everything had to be pro-black, pro-black, pro-black. When kids went back to schools, they had their own black dorms. They were going to do this to fight racism. They were going to. They were going to segregate segregate folks to fight racism. Say that out loud with me. Segregate to fight racism. Um, they they came back to black black dorms. It's just been this very pro blackity black 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 
stuff. And I think the other minority groups have finally gotten tired of it. I know I have. And, well, the example of that, actually, we were talking about this at the break, too, was the referendum in, and I don't know, again, what that's what they call it, but I think it is, in California in 2020, post-George Floyd, where they tried to pass affirmative action in California. Mm-hmm. And it lost. It, it, and we were thinking about this is the most liberal state in the country. and you would, But, of course, overwhelmingly Asian Americans, Hispanic But the, the state, other minority groups there are also Democrat. Yeah, and they, but they voted against it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. they, you know, and that's what I was Because it was going to affect them negatively. Um, I had to poll up, actually. People will vote for their, for their own good. Oh, I mean, they, they are. And, you know, they um, – I had a Pew Research poll up earlier, and it's something like – I can't remember the exact numbers – like 60% of Americans disapprove of affirmative action, maybe a little bit higher than that. It's kind of like the same numbers of abortion, where 60, over 60% of Americans are pro-choice – Whereas, you know, the, the lesser extent, the, the or lesser amount of Americans are you know, pro-life. So kind of flip things. It's an interesting issue with the Democrats where they're not going to win on affirmative action, according to the polling, where they, where they had that good effect with the uh, Dobbs decision, yeah. where the majority of Americans are pro-choice. So it's just a different dynamic for them on that. But, yeah, it, make, it changes the whole thing with the, with the Asian Americans and, um, and African Americans and Hispanics and all that being lumped in together. But... I think we, one thing we were talking about again, and I think the you know, public needs to hear this, is what's interesting about this decision to me, though, is where the Supreme Court, and again, I'm never going to be on the Supreme Court, but where in my mind where they messed up was they allowed this, or at least their reasoning messed, they messed up their reasoning, they allowed this in the military, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not against firm action, by the way. I know it sounds like I'm, some things I'm saying, but I'm just saying that they, or you know, Justice Roberts is saying that this violates equal protection unless you're in the military, and I don't know, understand how that makes any sense. And somebody maybe smarter than me can explain that to me, how that – if it's if you're saying this is the opinion of the Supreme Court, that it violates equal protection, the deferment action, the policies of Harvard and the University of North Carolina do that, except it doesn't violate the military. I mean, I, I think that's bogus. Uh, uh, well, I do too. If and that's I, your I, reasoning. I agree with you and Jerry. They, uh, Robert's wrong on that. Um, and and it makes it look disingenuous too. So you're saying that the reasons for affirmative action that that are propounded by Harvard and University of North Carolina are not valid, but they're valid in the context of the military. Like diversity is important in the military, but it's not important in anything else. That's a problem to me that you're that you're that you're saying that about that those institutions, but not higher college. Like you're, it's not important there, but for the military it is important. And it's also a, fa- a lack of understanding, fundamental understanding of the military. And I was in the military, and I had actually joined uh, when I was enlisted. And when I went to college, I went to ROTC, but I realized I did not want to be a Marine Corps officer. I, I seriously considered it, though, for a long time. And um, most of officer corps comes from universities. It doesn't all – not everybody gets into West Point or yeah. you know, Naval Academy. That's pretty hard to get into. I mean, that's as, almost as competitive or as, is as competitive as Harvard and Yale and stuff. So you're getting your officers from you know, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where you're getting your officer corps from. Like, I, mean, like I just went to my buddy's grad, yeah. you know, retirement ceremony, and he went to Mississippi State, became an army officer. So that's where you're, so it's so. Are you saying that now it's only important for the elite military academies, but not all the officers that you get from all the other universities around the country? It's 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 insane, kind of like to make that kind of argument. Yeah, I mean, and the only thing I can do, and I'll I'll I'll, st- I'll stand firm on this as somebody who was not in the military, um, but it just feels like there's been a wokeification. Of the military, and maybe they're trying to start that in the military academy. I, I don't know, Sean. I'm trying to make it make sense in any rational sense. And then, again, then, then the flip side of that is, well, why, why would it be Roberts? But or Kavanaugh, right here, he yeah. says, "I got his opinion pulled up. I joined the court's opinion in full." And he's not a liberal. He's not woke. And he's saying that he he joins that opinion in full, agrees with it. 
Uh, and so did Justice Gorsuch and Justice Thomas. And we know none of these folks are liberals. I, have a, I don't think Alito, maybe he did read an opinion. I didn't see it. But uh, so they're, they're agreeing that, you know, diversity is important in the military. And I think it is important in the military. I think it's important in everything. But it's not important in college. Okay, I'm sorry. Riddle me that one, somebody, because I just don't get it. I get it. Let, let, let's, let's circle back to, I love saying Jen Psaki style, um, to, to, to the whole thing on, on merit versus um race mm-hmm. for, for example um i think we agree or is that merit being equal i don't think money should be the determining factor all the time like if we're gonna talk about if we're talking about being based on that's why i think if you want to if you want to tip the scales to somebody tip them to if somebody wants to buy their way into somewhere and they got the and they got the the, the scores for it then buy your way in i don't care but if we're talking about scholarships right mm-hmm. Um, it tip the scales to somebody in poverty if merit is there. I don't think money. Sh- I don't think it should tip the scales to money, if if, if it comes down to that. I, I think that if you want to change this country, you want to bring people up from the from the from the mud, as we say it down here in the South. Come about the mud, you know. Give them a helping hand. I, you know, yeah. I think- White, black, Asian, Mexican. Any of that. And that is actually, um, even though I, I don't agree with the opinion, I do agree with. This, one of that outcome that you're saying that that is going to be a good and I watched a um the, it was actually a liberal commentator was talking about this last night and I agree with that outcome that outcome is going this actually does help people of lower socioeconomic status regardless yeah. of race which which is important too that's something that we need you know these kids I'm not talking about just getting to Harvard because obviously Harvard gets sixty thousand applicants a year you know how many they admit two thousand yeah that's it so I mean everybody's not going to Harvard. And but they're going to other schools, and so it's, I think. Well, this affects this affects other schools too. Absolutely right. You know, it affects all the schools. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, Harvard. This affects you know Mississippi State, Ole Miss, everywhere. Well, it's going to affect public schools. But public schools are subject to the Fourteenth Amendment, obviously, and then private institutions that receive federal money are subject to the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four. Yeah. So that's where that tracks through that, but uplifting people of lower socioeconomic status is a good goal. And that's and that's a I think that is actually a positive thing that will come from it. And um, but the um, of course, quit attacking the middle class would help a lot too, <laughs> you know. And of course, in the jobs overseas. But hey, look, we got to take a break real quick. <laughs> right, we'll be right back on the Clay Edwards Show to land the plane for the week with Sean York Karan on one hundred three nine FM WYAB. All right, welcome back in. We got about a minute and a half left. Real quick, coming up next, Jim Thorne, his musical guest of the week is Chris Gill. Oh, man, I ain't seen Chris in a long time. I hope he's in the other room there. Uh, say hey to him before I leave. So uh, stay tuned for that. Chris Gill coming up on the Jim Thorne show. Sean's getting ready to head to Atlanta uh, for a Braves game or two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Marlins. I'm a big Marlins fan, and we're uh, actually one and two in the division, so it's going to be. Great. Oh, that's that's good stuff, man. I hear the I hear the Braves. Uh, their new stadium is something to behold. That's what I've heard, and, and they're both really good, so it's going to be fun. But they call that area around it the Battery, I think. It's supposed to be a lot of bars, restaurants. That's what my you, you don't have me. to leave, from my understanding. Yeah, that's what he told me. He said it's going to be a really good time. It's going to be hot though. The games yeah, are, well, you know. it's it's the South in July. What are you going to do? I mean, just like Tate fishing and the fish. I put that in the Facebook group. I saw that. Like he's a uh, Tate has a thirst trap photo, y'all. That uh, <laughs> that I put in the Clay Edwards uh, show group. So check it out. Yeah, y'all go join the show group. Just go to Facebook, search Clay Edwards show. Start next week. I got a bunch of free rodeo tickets to give away. I will see y'all back Monday. Peace.
Thanks for listening. Tune in next week as the Clay Edwards Show discusses all that is going on in and around the city of Jackson. This concludes our broadcast day. Right here on 103.9 WYAB.